Welcome to the Victory Life Church podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, we're going to be talking about prayer and fasting today, and I can tell you this, that I don't know a lot about it. I've tried it on many occasions. The most I've done is seven days, and I literally battled hell during some of those times that I was on my fasting and prayer. But I can tell you that some people that influenced me at the get-go of my ministry to be a prayer warrior, the title of this morning's message, by the way, is Prayer and Fasting. By the way, as I was thinking this morning before I get to the message, I was thinking about where you're sitting and I'm sitting. And I remember when I only had a ninth grade education. Now I have a doctorate degree. But I used to sit where you're sitting and I would take meticulous notes. I only went to ninth grade. I didn't know how to take notes. I took notes in every single solitary message I ever listened to. Why? Because it's easy to sit there and daydream. It is. It really is. I'm I'm not saying the Spirit can't lead you while you're sitting there without notes, without your... um, electronic gadget, but I got so much more. I had files this big of every single sermon I sat under. When I went to seminary, I I really, really learned how to take notes. And so if you really want to get the most out of what God is saying to you today, and you'll recall it, you got to see it. We put a lot on the screen. You want to write it down, and you want to read it, and you want to hear it. That way you retain it. So Starting today, maybe in the future this year, you'll make a New Year's resolution. I'm going to start taking notes and bringing my Bible and reading out of the Bible as well. I'm reading out of my computer too. So, Now, back to the message this morning. Some of the people that influenced me in my prayer life was George Mueller and Andy Murray, Martin Luther, and Luther Rice, someone that you may not know, and, of course, um, Bill Bright. Campus Crusade for Christ. These people so influenced me that I wanted to spend two hours a day in prayer, three hours a day in prayer. I remember at one time, to probably my staff's dismay, I challenged them to pray four hours a day every Wednesday. Didn't make us really spiritual. I just said if the church members come and pray, they got to take off work and they got to come and pray. So you guys come in two hours early on a Wednesday before you come to work. And then your first two hours at work, I want you to come in this sanctuary and pray. And we did that for a long time. We got away from it. I hope to get back to that. Because it is one of the best places to be at the feet of Jesus. The greatest times you and me will ever have is all alone. All alone with Jesus. Now, it is an awesome thing to celebrate with God's people. Answered prayer or praise him, or listen to a message. But just you and him all alone is the greatest place you can ever be. You've got to make time for that. So find out who, who can really influence you and inspire you to spend time with God. You see, here's what prayer and fasting does before I actually give you the points of the outline. And I will follow the time because we'll be able to talk about this for the next three Tuesdays. When I think about prayer and fasting, I think immediately it allows me to set my affection on things above, not on things here below. 
The scripture says in Colossians 3, 2, set your mind on things above, not on things below or on the earth. Now, there's nothing wrong with setting your mind and affection on things on the earth. Nothing at all. However, God said in order really to understand who he is and fall in love with him and what his kingdom is about, we're going to need to set aside some time to put our minds on things above. I also realize that things on this earth can control us. I raise my kids and I remind them of this. Moderation in everything but sin. I, I don't know anybody that invented it. I didn't get it from anybody, but I taught my kids that. Moderation in everything but sin. But even the things that are allowed can control us. So fasting and prayer is learning to not let those things control you and let the spirit of the living God control you. Let me give you a couple passages that will help you with this thinking. Philippians 3, 18 through 19. For as often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. So one of the reasons why we get alone and fast and pray is so we can set our mind on things above and so we can say to ourselves, you control me, God, not the things of this earth and this world. Another passage that will help you with this thinking, 1 Corinthians 6. All things are lawful for me. Remember, moderation in everything but sin. But all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any food for the stomach, stomach for foods. But God will destroy both it and then. But now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. You see, these are just reminders of things that try to control us. And through fasting and prayer, you can be delivered of these things controlling you. So if you're taking notes, I want to remind you first, why pray? And then secondly, why fast? Why pray? Why pray at all? First of all, you need to pray because the scripture indicates that it's expected. When you have a little baby, expect the baby to cry. Don't get all upset when the baby cries. Matthew 6, 5 reminds us, and when you pray, the scripture didn't say, if you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So if this is the only place you pray, then you're being a hypocrite because God wants you to communicate and talk with him all by yourself. Again, the emphasis is not on if, but when. It is important, at least I can tell you in my journey as a believer, to have a place, a holy place, all by myself where I meet God. There's a place that you need to open up the Word of God, and all by yourself, that's a holy place. That's where you meet God. That's where you, He's answered requests. That's where you've sat at His feet. It's a, it's a holy place, much like the ground where Moses 
was that? And God said, take off the sandals of your feet for you're standing on holy ground. That was just dirt before he got there. And then all of a sudden, God said, this is set aside for me and for you. It's holy. Find that place. But yes, as Jacob said a little earlier, be in prayer all day long. Now, your mind's on other things. But if you start your day off this way and you get in your car and someone cuts you off, guess what? You're not going to go like this and hit yourself in the face. You're going to bless that. Let's bless that person, Father, because you know what? I've also been a jerk like that, and I've done the same thing. Right? Every one of you have probably made the exact same mistake that delivered me from yelling and screaming at other people. God expects you to talk to him, to pray. Why pray? He expects it. Number two, you need answers, and we have permission. We need answers, and we have permission. Let's look at Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, he's appealing to our common sense. Which of you, if a son asks for bread, or if your son, daughter, your grandchildren come to you, every time my grandkids come over, it's, hey, it's sweets. They don't get sweets at the house, so they come to my, my place. And then people come to my office, and, and, and my child wants some sweets, but really, they want one too. And so the adults are in there picking at my candy place. Many of you don't know, my office is a whole a dresser full of uh, candy, so the kids come in after the service, and I treat them to some treats so that they'll not be afraid of a pastor. That's really what I'm trying to do. But God wants you to ask him. And he's appealing to your common sense that you're not going to give your children or your grandchildren, or God's not going to give you a stone when you need some bread, or if he asks you for a fish, will they give you a snake? If you then, though are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those that ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. I was just sharing with a family. The day I got saved, I put in my first request. I did. No jiving. No lying. I was a door-to-door magazine salesman. I got off of my knees, and I had knocked on so many doors, and I looked in and watched that family sit around the, the, the glue tube, and I said, God, I'd like to have a family like that. Or I'd knock on a door to sell a magazine, and I'd walk in a house, and they would be eating a meal around the dinner table. Lord, I'd love to have a family like that. Would you give me a family like that? No one was around. I just got off my knees behind a gas station. I'm walking around. And I'm talking to God. I never talked to him like that before. Well, guess what? Two days later, I knocked on a family's door. They invited me in. They told me about Jesus. I told them what happened to me. They said, why don't you come live with us? That was my first encounter with God after I got saved. Now, I'm a long-haired hippie. 20 years old with a ninth grade education, they had three girls and a boy. Who's going to take a stranger in their home like that? God heard me. It started my journey. He kick-started it, and then, boom, I've been involved in a prayer life ever since. 
Wow, I, the best way to get close to God to me is in conversation with him. I'm sure you could have stories you could tell too. So he told us, he gave us permission to ask him. Thirdly, why pray? Well, no doubt you need a blessing and God wants to bless you. Now, this is not a name it and claim it church. But it is true, throughout Scripture, God wants to bless us. Let me give you a couple passages. Food for thought. 2 Chronicles 16.9. The eyes of the Lord search back and forth across the whole earth, looking for people whose hearts are perfect toward him. Perfect means mature, that it means you never sin. He's not saying that so that he can show his great power in helping them. And then there's a little part of the scriptures that we'll not talk about at this mind. That's for someone else. But let me go to 2 Samuel also, 12. You don't have that, but you might jot this reference down, 2 Samuel 12, 7 through 8. Now, I'm using this passage because David, God had given him everything, right? And David goes out and commits adultery, has this woman's husband killed, then takes her to be his. After a lot of things happen and his sin is revealed by Nathan, here's what God said to David. After Nathan revealed to him that you're the one guilty of this parable that I just told you. He said, you're the man, this is what the Lord said, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. Now, here's the part I want you to listen to. If this had been too little, I would have given you even more. He's talking to someone who had rebelled against him. You're sitting there and you're wondering, does God really want to bless me? He's talking to a person that committed a lot of evil. And he's telling him, you're my child. Don't you realize I want to bless you? Ask me. But remember, you still need to pray within the boundaries of the will of God. He's not a genie. But he wants, can't you hear that? Can't you see God behind the scenes? I love you and I want to bless you. So you pray because you need a blessing and God wants to bless you, even in unusual circumstances. Why do you pray? You need to know God's will. And he wants you to know his will. You think he wants to withhold good from you, but he wants to, he wants you to know what his will is in most situations. Certainly, there's some things he's kept us in the dark about. Even Jesus said, I don't know the day or the hour that the second coming is going to take place. So there are some things God doesn't want us to know. But most of the things about your life, your marriage, your kids, grandkids, your work, what God wants you to do, doesn't want you to do, he wants to reveal those things to you. Let me remind you of a couple passages that will help you with that. Romans 12, 1 and 2, this passage has been a part of my life since I have received Christ as my Savior. Therefore, I urge you, 
brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, not dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice. You've got to get your mind around that. He's not asking you to die right now. He may in the future. But he's saying, I want you to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. I could, I could care less if you jump up and down and run around this place here and you bark louder than everyone else. But if you don't have this, this offering your body, a living sacrifice, that is true worship according to this passage. And he said, now, you want to know God's will? Okay. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world like the universities and the schools are and our government is. Don't adopt the pattern. Jesus said, separate yourself from the world. If you'll do that, he said, how do you do that? By transforming, by the renewing of your mind, by reading the word of God, by shutting off a lot of the music, a lot of the television, a lot of the world, a lot of the education. Turn it off and turn yourself on to God. That's how you transform your mind. Then, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When I tried to say, God, what do you want to do with this church? Especially when we went through COVID. Thoughts went through my mind. We could sell this church. We don't owe anything on this church. We could go somewhere else. We could, get, we could hire a lot of staff. We could start all over somewhere else. We could go get a storefront. We talked about a lot of things. But we wanted to know what God's will is because this is his church. He let me manage it for a period of time but it's his church. And then I thought it was J.W. By the way, J.W., my son-in-law, is going to be preaching at the end of this month. He's coming into town to do a wedding for one of our church members, and he's going to be speaking, and my daughter is going to be singing. But I wanted him to become the next, the next pastor here. Guess what? Did I really want to know the will of God? My son-in-law comes in and says, I'm taking your daughter, and I'm leaving you. I'm going to Texas. I've had enough of you for 14 years. No, he didn't say it that way. He said, I'm leaving on a jet plane. I don't know when I'll be back again. <clears throat> so, he, so he left, pulled the dagger out and said, oh, my goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Oh. Okay, Jesus. I did. I got right up off the mat. It's like wrestling match, JC. You know, you're on the wrestling mat. I got right back up. Okay, you ready to go another round, Jesus? You love this church. You have somebody for this church. You had someone for that church. You have someone for this church. Who is it? Lo and behold, I had no idea it would come from my own family, Jacob. And so I believe by faith, this is the will of God, Jacob, that you are here and that he is going to become the next lead pastor here. <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You need the will of God. And remember, we need to conform to the will of God, though. There are things that I may want, but the God may not give me. And there are many times I, I had to say, okay, God, I, I give this up. They're yours. These children are yours. My grandkids are yours. This ministry is yours. It's all yours. Are you willing to do that? Whatever you have, it's God's. And say, now, I want your will. I want to know who I should marry, where I should live. 
what job I should take, how much I should ask for, all those kinds of things that are going on in your mind, God will help reveal to you what his will is in that situation. It's like we're praying right now for a a full part-time worship leader. I'm I'm looking for him somewhere, but he's really over there, but he doesn't know it. I'm I'm just waiting for God to say, yes, oh. So I want someone during the service to sneak up behind him and... (laughs) No, I I don't mean to put him on the spot, but I did. (laughs) We love you, didn't we? Why else do you pray? So, so, but that's just a point of uh, how do we know what the will of God is? And I'm sure there are many situations. I'm wondering what, as I continue to help and serve this church, but what specifically does God want to do through me? I'm asking for that during this time of prayer and fasting, as well as look outside myself. What does God want to do in this church and what does God want to do in this country? But also, why do you pray also and fast? You need strength. I want to give you two situations you'll recall very quickly. Jesus in the garden. God did not deliver him from that. And then, of course, I think about the Apostle Paul. Two people that God did not sort of answer the prayer the way they were requesting. Jesus said, if this cup, if possible, if it'll pass from me, take it from me, God. That means the suffering, the cross. If you can take this from me, fine, God. But if not, I want what you want. Paul, I'm going through this a little bit fast without showing the scripture. And then you remember the apostle Paul, remember he, he sought God three times about a problem that he had in his life. You guys remember the story? If not, you can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He said, God, would you, would you, would you deliver me? Would you deliver me? Would you deliver me? And God said, no, no, no. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you. When Jesus was in the garden, after he prayed and, and he was sweating like drops of blood, God sent the angels to strengthen him for what he was about to endure. You're suffering. You're hurting. You have an ailment. Listen, the joy of the Lord still should be yours. The enemy cannot rob you of that. Ask God, and he will strengthen you even in the predicament that you're in right now. Amen? The sickness, the illness, the hurt, I would love for him to deliver everybody from that. But until we go to heaven, we're not going to have a glorified body that's functioning properly. So God wants to strengthen you for healing and when you're in trouble. Those are some and more reasons that we'll talk about in the next few Tuesdays. But I want to get to fasting now. Why fast? First of all, I want to repeat only a different verse. It's expected. Not if you fast, when you fast. Matthew 6, 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I'm telling you, they have received their reward in full. By the way, if someone, if you got to tell your wife or someone, don't, don't think that you're sinning. We're, we're talking about people walking around and moping and, 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 and walking around praying and want everyone to know. God knows your heart. Sometimes you got to tell a few people that you're fasting in prayer. So don't worry about that. It, it, God's reading your hearts, but he expects us to fast. Fast comes with rewards, by the way. Fasting comes with rewards. Matthew 6. When you fast, let me continue, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, pull oil on your head and wash your face 
so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. The emphasis I wanted to bring to your attention is the very end. God will reward you. Now, I do a lot of intermittent fasting in the last year because I know there's a reward to intermittent fasting. Number two, I know also it gives my body, it shuts down my body a little bit and it helps some of my organs be able to recover and rest and take a break. So there's a lot of personal benefits by intermittent fasting or fasting, but that's personal. Fasting for the Lord takes it off of me and puts it on him. I want to fast for him so that I can. Fasting is plainly doing without food or drink for a period of time so that you can clearly see the kingdom of God and enjoy the spiritual world, the spiritual world where God lives and where Jesus lives, the kingdom of God. There are benefits. There are rewards by getting alone and fasting and not letting food control you. Oh, there'll be a battle. There'll be a struggle because it's used to being in control, but now you're saying it's not going to be in control. So one of the great reasons for fasting I want to give you is it can divert judgment. There are many illustrations, but I want to read this fully to you found in 1 Kings. Now, this should encourage you. Let me set the table or the stage. King Ahaz, somewhere around 850, he's the king of Israel. They're still enjoying the Davidic, Solomonic era they've gone on, and he's under the ministry of Elijah. And he's king, so he thinks he can do anything he wants, much like our government thinks they can do anything they want. And so he decides that there's a vineyard over here, and the vineyard is owned by Naboth, and he wants it. He mopes around and cries and mopes, and his wife Jezebel, one of the most wicked women that ever lived on the earth, and he was one of the most wicked kings that lived on the earth. She said, what are you moping around? You're the king? Go take it. He does. He has him killed and takes over the plot of land, so now he's got his vineyard. Be sure your sin finds you out. God sends the prophet Elijah to him. Here's what he said, beginning in verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Shishbite. Go down and meet Ahab. I said Ahaz, I meant Ahab. King of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Have you not murdered a man and seized his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says. In the place where dogs lip licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, ah, so you found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered. Because you've sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, he says, I'm going to bring disaster on you. I will wipe out your descendants and cut off from From Ahab, every last male in Israel, slave or free. I will make your house like that of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, and that of Basha, son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. Hmm. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. 
Continue. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Dogs will eat those belonging to Ahab who die in the city, and the birds will feed on those who die in the country. There was never anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites the Lord drove out before Israel. Now, I want you to play close attention. You you see what kind of man he is. You see what kind of king he is. You see his behavior and conduct. But I want you to focus in on now what happens. Here's a wicked person, and here's what God did for him. A wicked person by fasting. When Ahab heard these words, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and fasted. He lay in sackcloth and went around meekly. Then the word of the Lord came to Elisha the Tishbite. Have you noticed how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself, I will not bring this disaster in his day but I will bring it on his house in the days after his son. Now, what you need to see is pass Ahab and see the heart of God. See, this book is all about God and Jesus, not about man. Can't you see God's compassion? If he, because he humbled himself and fasted and sought God, will answer his prayer, How much more does the prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth, as the Scripture teaches? He will hear you. Don't think for a moment. Don't buy into the lie, I'm fasting in vain. That will be the temptation, right? Well, what good is it going to do? He hasn't heard me in the past. He may not hear me now. Well, if that's how you think, then you're going to receive exactly how you think. As a man thinketh, so is he. Believe God. Believe that God is going to meet you and bless you. Believe that he's going to reward you for fasting. But let me tell you something. One of the reasons I read this passage is for us to look past ourselves and see the plight of our nation. Because of time, I, I wanted to talk to you about Nineveh, who repented, fasted and repented, and God did not bring the judgment that he prophesied to the prophet Jonah. He did not bring that upon Nineveh, Assyria, who would eventually control Israel. He didn't bring that disaster on him. We're going to be going through, Jacob and I are going to be going through the book of Esther. And remember, tragedy was diverted because Esther asked. The word God is not mentioned. I don't even know if the word pray, but ask them to fast. Remember, the wicked Haman was given permission by the king to have the Jews killed on Purim. We're using that date, Purim. But because they fasted and prayed and worshiped God, all those things are implied there. They're not literally written in there, but fasting is. Tragedy was diverted and the Jews were spared. And they still celebrate Purim to this day. What will God do in your life? 
What kind of tragic thing seems to be on the horizon in your life or your family? But more than that, what about our nation? What about fasting for our nation? You do, you, I, I hear too many people say, we're at, it's, it's, it's the second coming's happening. You need to quit watching too much news. I, I shut off the news in the last two years. I go to my computer, and I, without all the noise, I try to get the facts. I'm not giving up on this country. There are too many righteous people in this country. I'm reading through the Bible in a year, and I've already read this past week about Abraham petitioning to God, hey, God, you won't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if there's 10 people in there, will you? And God said, no, I won't. But there wasn't 10 people, and it was destroyed. We, do we want to, do we care about our children and our grandchildren? Do we care enough that we would fast and pray? That God will give us the kind of leaders that will serve him and serve us? Do we believe that he will do that? He's done it throughout the history of the United States. He's the one that planted this country. He's the one that sent missionaries all over the world to share the gospel from this place. And there are still millions and millions of people that have not bowed down to the God of Baal. There is still hope for the United States of America. Let's pray. Let's fast for something bigger than ourselves. So often as a pastor, I feel like I failed you in this place, that I've not allowed you to think past yourself, past this church. You see, we've been given a mission, and that mission is what? Go into all the world and make disciples. Not bring them to this place, but go out there and make disciples. Let's pray for something bigger than just our little old world that we live in and ask God to do something in this plantation community, in this state of Florida, in the United States of America, and throughout the world. See, judgment is going to come upon the wicked people, the evil people, and some of it does come in this lifetime. So let's pray that tragedy would be diverted in our lives. Let's pray and seek God and fast. So I've given you some reasons to think about fasting. A couple more. There are some major spiritual battles going on in your life, in my life, in the life of a church, in the life of the country. One big one I'll bring to your attention was, of course, when the apostles were given permission to go out and heal in the name of Jesus. But there was a case study that they couldn't handle, and that was a boy full of demons, and they couldn't cast out the demons. So I, I gave you the short version. And I'll pick up here in Mark 9. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son to you so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, he throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So guess what? I asked the church people, or I asked the saints, I asked the believers to pray for him and to heal him, but they couldn't do it. Okay, fasting and prayer. Why fast? Jesus gives us at least a reason why, another reason why in Mark 9, 25. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers that was growing, he rebukes the evil spirit. Listen you spirit that makes this body unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. 
Do you think it happened? Absolutely. The apostles then later asked Jesus about this incident, and here's what he said in Mark 9, 28. Afterwards, when Jesus was alone in the house of his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? Jesus replied, this can be cast out only by, now some versions say prayer, but many of the translations talk about prayer and fasting. There are some great spiritual battles going on in our lives. There are spiritual battles going on. Just deciding to tackle this subject, the enemy is going to come at us. I know he's come after me already. Because he's not going to give up any ground easily. And if he can easily trip us up, then guess what? Then he's won. So we need you to be in the battle, fasting together. And there are different ways you can fast. There's intermittent fasting. There's a day fast. There's a from dinner to dinner fast. There's a two-day fast, three-day fast, seven. There's all different kinds of fasting. Go to our website, and there'll be some direction for you when you fast. Some of you had some difficult jobs, and maybe you would get very weak. So you, you might have to come up with a different kind of strategy in fasting. There could be giving up something that you really, really, really love. That There's nothing wrong with it. Let's just say you like football and you decide you're not going to watch the Super Bowl. Jacob, can you do that? You're not real spiritual, Jacob. You can't do that. After the 21 days, okay. I think, did we finish before the Super Bowl? Yeah. You got away with that one, Jacob. So, so it could be. Now, listen, this, this can be enjoyable because you're anticipating getting close to Jesus. Don't think about what you aren't going to get. Think about this. I get to get close to Jesus. I get to get close to Jesus. I get to get close to Jesus. Say over and over again. Maybe I have my son write a song about it. I get to get close to Jesus. Think that away when you fast and pray. Isn't that a good reason to pray? There are many situations many sicknesses, many illnesses. There are many demon-possessed people in this country. Just turn on the glue tube and you can see them. Ah! They're yelling and screaming. Kill them, kill them. I mean, you see, they're radical. They're, they're, they've lost their brains. For some people, there's no hope. Either way, 2 Corinthians reminds us in 10 that there are spiritual weapons that we fight with. And I reminded the men of armor, the band of brothers that I attended to, and I gave them this picture, and I've given it to you. We don't fight with the same weapons that the world fights with. We have a different weapon, different weapons. And again, I want to remind you of Hacksaw Ridge. Was I've not seen the whole thing completely, but remember Hacksaw Ridge? How many have seen Hacksaw Ridge? Okay. He, remember, he goes to war. He doesn't want to shoot anybody, but he wants to help people. He's a medic. That's a long story made short. Everybody ridicules him, makes fun of him. But then he goes to war, and there are men injured all over the battlefield. And while, while they're firing hot fire all over the place, he leaves his cover and saves many, 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 many men with no weapons at all. God wants to use you and me like that guy in Hacksaw Ridge. We don't fight with the weapons that the world fights with, but you have weapons the world knows not of. 
And it begins with fasting and prayer and dying to yourself so that the Holy Spirit can control you and, and guide you and lead you to where you need to go and what you need to say. If fasting is done the right way, God will exalt you. Fasting done the right way is a way of humbling yourself so you can be exalted. Let me bring up the one about Jesus, because I have just a minute more. In Philippians, remember, Satan tried to exalt himself, and God humiliated him. Jesus humbled himself, and God exalted him. Let me read that passage in Philippians 2. You might want to jot this down. Philippians 2, 8. In being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. The way to be exalted is to humble yourself. God doesn't humble you. I heard one great preacher say, God doesn't humble you. He'll humiliate you. But God asks you to humble yourselves. So being found in the appearance of a man, Jesus, he humbled himself by being obedient to death, even the death on the cross. You see, Jesus had no sin, so he could have lived forever in the flesh. But he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You need to be exalted on the job. You need some place where nobody's recognizing you at all. You humble yourselves. I'll just read the last part of the verse of Luke 14, 7 about the banquet. And you're sitting at the best table and then you're sitting in the best spot. And then they tell you you've got to get to the lowest spot and someone, that spot's reserved for someone else. Jesus said this. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. I can't think of a greater way of humbling yourself than fasting and prayer. Asking God, God, I'm humbling myself before you. I've read all the scripture about those who've humbled themselves before you. Even wicked kings like King Ahab. And look what you did in his life. How much more will you do in my life? The very last one I'll say is this one. I had many more. But fasting helps in the spiritual selecting of leaders which is exactly what we did with Jacob. You may see past all what happened in Jacob becoming the lead pastor, but you don't know what went on behind the scenes in the prayer and the fasting and inquiring from God, what do you want? This is not a father just recognizing a son to be a pastor. I have his approval and we have your approval. You've seen the hand of God in selecting his servant. That comes through fasting and prayer. You see, in Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. That's exactly what we're going to do next week. We're going to, I pray, fast and pray this week so that way we can commit Jacob to the Lord. And we're going to lay hands on him. We're not going to do this just for ceremonial purposes, for, for, for smoke, for a smoke scream. We're believing by faith that God's anointing is still in this church and is going to be upon his servants. And that he's going to help lead this church into the things that God wants to lead us in. But he's going to have many men and women, many men and women supporting him 
Kind of like I told Butch this morning when he went in the class, I'm so thankful I get to serve with many of you men because without these key people in this church, this church wouldn't be like it is, and we know it. We understand that. Jacob and I will be talking about that this coming year about church membership, not membership assigning on a roll, but how you're an eye or you're an ear or you're an arm. You are important to the ministry of this church. But if you're letting, you ever wake up and your arm's asleep? Some of you need to wake up and plug into this local ministry. Would you stand at this time? Please, may I invite you to come out Tuesday to be a part of our prayer and fasting. It's, we're not here for numbers. We've never been about that. But listen, if I said um, Tim Tebow was coming next week, I, by the way, I just got his 365 devo devotional guide. He has a book called 365 Day Devotion. I just like the guy simply because of one statement he said in his life. Football is a platform for me to, to promote the kingdom of God. That's the thing I remember about Tim Tebow. Nothing else, not that much more. But that he lived for God. So if we had a special speaker, would you be here? Please show God that you're serious about being close to him and praying and fasting in such a way that tragedy will be removed from some people's lives. Healing might take place. Salvation might take place. Would you pray, Father? Your word has been declared. I have never in my ministry really put trust in what I say, Father. That's why I love the, to splatter the screen with your word, because your word will not return void. Inspire us and encourage us to sit at your feet this week and let you be in control of our lives. Help us find a half hour, an hour. Some can't a day, but those who can a day of fasting and prayer. Lead this church. Lead this church into being what we would call a spirit-filled church and an empowered church to do your bidding, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way, everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.